Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, we will be here, and as we continue on, um, we're going to be in a... Well, we're, we're going to be in Mark 17 this week. Oh, now wait a minute. There is no Mark 17. But we've been in Mark so long, it seems like, hey, well, this, there's got to be another chapter, right? There's not. It's, we've came to the end of it last week. But what I want to do, and, and, and over these next several weeks, uh, talk about a, a little bit, where do we go? What's next? And, and on a larger scale, what is church for? What is this thing we call church? What is it all about? And, and, and reflecting on Jesus and on his life and the things that we learned and discover about him and, and looking at the Gospel of Mark in particular, but, but the Gospels in general, what is this life that he calls us to? Certainly he taught us about God's kingdom and that God's kingdom was very different than what maybe sometimes we interpreted the scriptures to be saying. And he, and he, he clarified that in many ways. And then in his death and then in his resurrection leads us to a new life. But what is that new life to look like? And some of the things we'll be talking about over these next several weeks will we'll, we'll, we'll center around what does this look like? What's the next place for us? What's the next thing that we're doing? What is church for? And how do we stay on track with that? As part of that, I want to take some of Jesus' comments uh, two in particular, and these actually are not out of Mark, but out of, of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, some of it we've looked at already when we were in Mark. Jesus, at one point, is, is addressed by a teacher of the law. He's had interactions with the, the Sadducees and um, has answered them well. Um, and someone comes to him asking about what's important about life. And so this is a little bit of review from even Mark. But in, in Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bibles there, and we are looking um, particularly at verse 34. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested them with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Uh, pretty familiar phrasing. This is something we talk about often because when, when Jesus takes all of the the scriptures, the 613 laws that, that come out of the Old Testament, he encapsulates it into these two. And now the teacher law wants one, but uh, he's like, oh, I can't give you just one. There's, let's go with two. And the first is this idea of loving God wholeheartedly with all that you have, your entire being. And the second then, to love your neighbors, to love those who are around you as you love yourself. This is the core of what's 
God's kingdom is all about and the thing that Jesus again and again has tried to stress for his people, this is the thing that characterizes this. You know, some people get hung up on the, the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament by saying, well, you know, it's that, there's a God of judgment and anger. And, well, whenever the law is introduced, particularly the, the two times that the Ten Commandments are introduced in the Old Testament, that's in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, there's this little phrase that starts it. And God speaking to Moses says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. God says that each time he introduces the commandments to love the Lord your God and set it all through the ten. And, and, and the point God is making is, this is not a I am pronouncing on you we already have relationship. You mattered to me. I heard you crying in that land, and I rescued you. I sent Moses to lead you out, and remember the amazing ways. Remember the Passover. Remember passing through the sea. I did all these things for you. I am this God. I am the one who knows you and will care for you. And here is the best way to live. My best place for you is to understand this is how my kingdom is. This is how the world is. First, know me and love me and don't put anything ahead of me. To not take my name in vain, which is more than cuss words, but to, to live a life that's consistent with walking with him and knowing with him. We cannot say any cuss words, but live a life that, that blasphemes God just by the nature that we don't live for him and walk with him. Uh, we, we, we put ourselves first, and I, I think on, on some great level, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. We say, I'm a follower of God, but I don't always follow him. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments really are centered around loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the, the last six are certainly very connected to this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, most of us are very good at loving ourselves, of thinking about our needs and our, the things that are important to us. And, and if someone says something, we think about how that impacts us first and maybe others later, but we are pretty good about taking care of ourselves. And Jesus, quoting from Leviticus here, is saying, hey, Think about those around you. How do you want to be treated? Treat others in that same way. Care for them. And, and so those, those other commandments, to, to love your and honor your father and mother, to not murder, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not bear false witness, to, to not even covet and want uh, lustfully your neighbor's stuff. This all has to do with loving and caring for them. Because if you're going to love your neighbor, you're not going to do things that will hurt them or damage them or take from them. But find ways to build them up. And, and in Jesus' kingdom, this is what life is about. And so first thing instructively for us is to, how, how do I live? What is life about it's about loving and caring. When Jesus is sitting with his disciples at that last supper, what does he say to them? A new command I have for you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this way all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This love 
is to characterize us, to find ways to build bridges into people's lives, to, to, to connect with them. That's the call. I, many opportunities for us to demonstrate love in the coming days and weeks and months as we have brothers and sisters going through horrible, difficult things in Houston and in Florida as it hits them. Um, part of our denomination, the Free Church, has uh, opportunities. Uh, in Houston, they're, they're looking to raise a million dollars to help begin some of the, the rebuilding immediately that can happen, of taking care of some of the needs on the ground as, as fast as possible. And um, if you've got some interest in, in, in being part of that, um, efca.org, We'll have a, a, a link to be able to connect with that. Caring for others as they go through it. If, if a disaster hits us, what would we let, want others to do to, to help us, to, to, to watch out for us? So, so what is life about? Loving others. But we also do this together. And, and in that passage that I was talking about with the kids in Matthew 28, um, this passage in 22 is often called the well, the greatest commandment. Um, at the end of Matthew, we, we get what's called the Great Commission. If you look there for a moment, in chapter 28 of Matthew, what is life about together? And starting in verse 16, after Jesus has, has died and, and risen again, and he instructions for his disciples, come to Galilee, meet me in Galilee, I will meet you there. And and in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' instructions for them as they gather is, this is the way forward. I've gone through this. I've done this. I've, I've paid this price. The offer, the way of reconciliation for the world back to God is out there now. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, and it's interesting to me. It's almost, it, it takes you back a little bit. It says, well, here's Jesus risen. They've, they saw him killed, but here he's back from the dead. Some worshipped and, and some doubted. Which, you're like, what? <laughs> how, do you, well, how do you go to Galilee anyways to meet him there? And, and now you're still doubting. And, and it's, it's almost troubling. It's like, what's wrong with you people? And yet, on the other hand, it's, it's a little bit helpful because sometimes we're not, we're not sure, are we? Sometimes this thing we call faith and, and, and walking with God and, and being connected to him and so far away, so long in the past, it's like, what do I do with that? Is that, is that real? Did that really happen? And I think there's at least in in Matthew putting this in there that that some doubted, like, hey, yeah, we understand this isn't easy. This isn't just something that happens like that. Faith is a hard thing, and we will have times when we we just wonder and 
and doubts will creep in. And, and I think there's a little permission for us to, to, to work through those doubts and, and not shuffle them away or put them off to the side. Sometimes it's healthy to be able to express and say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And to be able to communicate and not say, oh, no, no, just, just don't even think about that. Well, sometimes we have to, to work through the dimensions of this. That, that God loves us. I think it's helpful to see as well that these guys took this message and it changed their life and changed their world. They began speaking out boldly for God and with strength and with fire and with passion. And many of them were killed because of what they did. Why would they do that if they knew this was a hoax, if they really didn't see Jesus? Why invest all of this life and their impending death for some of them? It's encouraging, one, to to see them move from doubt to faithfulness, to the church growing and developing into what it is. Well, then Jesus comes to them and begins talking about, this is what's important. All authority has been given to me, and here's what I want to entrust you with. As you move forward, make disciples. In your going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. In, in this passage, there's, there's one commandment, one imperative. It's a form of verb. Make disciples. And there's three participles, words that end with I-N-G. Uh, in your going, baptizing and teaching. And so in your going, we're going to go places, right? We are always going. Some of us are going to foreign lands very soon. But all of us are going somewhere. Sometimes we're off island. Sometimes we're around here and there. Wherever we are... Jesus' instruction is make disciples. Find ways to get into people's lives and tell them this story of my love for them, of God's love for them. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing a symbol for inclusion, of being coming a part of the community. And, and, and so in doing this together and, and, and us having a part of this, saying, you are now part of this. You have made a choice, a decision to step forward into being part of this family. And we recognize that, and and we proclaim that in front of people to say, this is who I am now. My old life is dead. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, and died for me. That's the statement, and, and, and by baptizing them, we're giving them something tangible to hang on to in their own minds, but also for the community to say, all right, he's making this statement. He's one of us, or she is a part of us. To include people in the community. And then that third thing is teaching them everything I've commanded. We, we have in the Gospels the reflections of of at least four pictures of what Jesus' teaching and his life was all about. And then, and, then, and then from there, we have the reflections in the letters of Paul and of Peter and in the Hebrews and, and in John, 
This is what it was about. These are the things, and, and as we face certain circumstances, this is how we do this. And that's that aspect of teaching. And so, over these next several weeks, we, we're going to talk about some ways to move forward on that, uh, to, to live this out in our particular community. What does it mean for us to do this? Because, again, there's a basic call for all of us to, to make disciples. I mean, that's, that's, that's a general statement that, that comes to all God's people. But how we do that in our particular community, well, it's going to be different because this is a different place. We are a particular church within that. We would say we would call our, number ourselves in, the, in an evangelical tradition of, of being focused on the Scripture and the Word and and how we live that out is reflected on some of our past, past as a history in the church here, but also those within our tradition, and um, which would distinguish us in, in some ways and manners than, uh, than other traditions. And so that marks us, and we're going to do it differently. But we still reach out. And there, there's several things that we do that, that we will always do, we will worship the Lord because that's our first priority. We will reach out to others in evangelism to tell them the story of Jesus so that they can know that God loves them. To disciple one another towards maturity, to growing deeper in this walk with him. Sharing fellowship that God put us in here together. And that as we rub shoulders with one another, we make each other stronger. We help support each other in times of weakness. And we also serve with uh, our particular skills and gifts and passions, uh, things that the Spirit has given to us to live out this life of faith. And each of us is different. We all have different personalities. Certainly God has wired us differently, but he has also given us skills. Some, some are, are, are those who, who are up front and do great things, uh, either through, through singing or being able to read or to speak. Others organize well in the background, and others work with technical stuff or um, material stuff. Uh, we all come with different gifts and abilities and, and, and bring that together in this tapestry which becomes our ministry, our community of faith. We all have a part in that, each of us, with, the, again, the, the passions and skills and abilities that the Lord has given us. Each of us have a part in this, from the young as well as to, to the old. There's no retiring in God's kingdom, but whatever God continues to use, and, let them, and things change for us, certainly, but God always is doing and working around us. In his book, The Purpose Driven Church, Rick Warren talks, uses this illustration of, of surfing. And uh, surfing, obviously, you, you get on a board and you, you ride waves uh, from out in the ocean into the, the beach again and then go back and do it again. And, and, he, and he, he uses this illustration. Say you get the huge rock and you take this rock and you throw it in the ocean or the lake, well, that's going to create a wave. And um, then you could surf off that. But those who are surfers will be like, that's nothing. 
That's nothing to surf on. That's, that's just a ripple. The real waves are the ones that come, that are out there, that are being produced by the wind and the currents. And, and, and that's the ones that's, that are great to ride. And, and his illustration is this, that, that God is doing stuff around us. And he's doing things in our lives, in our community. And part of our task is to find what is God doing around us? What is he doing and active and part of? For those of you who have read uh, Experiencing God by Henry Blackville, you're, you're familiar with these concepts and ideas. God is always doing something. And part of us is, is joining him and, 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 and riding the waves that he makes instead of, instead of trying to make our own. It's like, oh, I've got this idea. Well, what is God doing? Is this, is this something that God is calling us to? God has worked for us. He's got ministry for us to do. And it's going to be different by the dynamics of, well, of being here on this island. Uh, some of you recently may have seen uh, in the Chicago Tribune the description of this island as being a very quirky place. And, uh, well, and, and there, there's something to be said about that. What does it mean to be quirky? It means that there's, there's all kinds of different personalities and people and, and things that are going on. You could probably say that about any community, but we can take that and say, yeah, we're probably different than someplace in central Nebraska. And so what does it look like for us to be followers of God, doing his ministry and his work? But in and all, the call is, is certainly for us to be engaged in a part of that process. Soren Kierkegaard once wrote about a town where a, a fireman lived. Everyone liked the fireman because he was a nice guy. He made it a habit to be gentle and kind, which was unusual for firemen who were supposed to be tough. There was a fire one day, and the fireman charged to the scene of the fire with his fellow firemen and the heavy equipment. And as, as they came toward the fire, much to their surprise and chagrin, they encountered between themselves and the flames about 200 townspeople. And each of them was standing there with, well, with a water pistol, aiming at the fire, going squirt, 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 squirt. And the fireman asked in not-so-gentle terms, What's going on here? Uh, a spokesman for the group turned and says, Well, we all appreciate this wonderful work you're doing in the community, and each one of us wanted to contribute in some small way to your, to your work. Squirt, squirt, squirt. The fireman said, I don't get it. You guys are crazy. Oh, oh, oh we realized we could do more, but couldn't we, folks? Well, most definitely, but, but we just wanted to offer this token of our support. Squirt, squirt. You do not know what you're doing. And it's possible some choice words came out at this point. True, but you have to appreciate that everyone is willing to offer whatever help they can, said the spokesman. Amen, said other people. Squirt, squirt, squirt. At that, the fireman shouted, Get the mm, out of here. This is no picnic. This is a fire. And a fire doesn't require well-meaning people who come to make small contributions. A fire is a place where people come to give their lives, to defeat it. Sometimes 
Well, sometimes maybe we're like those people. Sometimes we just, well, you know, here's, here's a little support. But the call for us is to give all. To love the, the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Can it get more encompassing than that? To love our neighbors as ourselves. Can it get any more loving than that? And then to make disciples. To be a community that helps people come to see the gospel of the Lord Jesus, this good news that God so loved the world that he gave his son so they can be reconciled to God. Baptizing them, bringing them into community so they know they are part of community and finding their place and teaching them everything I've commanded you so that they know they can grow towards maturity. This is our task. This is our call. And so to figure out how we do this, that's always in our command. What is it that I can do now that serves the Lord, demonstrating my love for him as well as for my neighbor? What kind of ministries do we develop and, and work towards that will best enable us to make disciples? And what is my part in this? How has God gifted me? How has he impassioned me? Where do I fit? And I think part of it is our responsibility is, is to figure out that part of it. And, and for some, it's going to be actively a part of some ministry we do it here at church. But, but for some, it may be some kind of ministry that's outside of church. Uh, some are called to missionary work. Some are called to, to working in organizations that, that enable them to, to, to get to know other people. I did a wedding a couple weeks ago, and, and the uncle of the groom, a guy named Vic, and uh, you'll see him at some point along the way here at some point next summer. Uh, but a guy who passionately loves the Lord, he's a CPA, and he coaches baseball. But he coaches baseball with the intention of working with his kids for the Lord, to, to, to talk with them about things that matter, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, they said, we know how to coach baseball, but we want to coach them about the things in life. And uh, they've, they've had several go to, to Division I colleges for baseball, several go to, to the pros and, uh, and play well. But his passion is to take the moments that they have with them and get in their lives and talk about Jesus. And that's how he's using his gift and passions. Is he's not preaching on Sunday. He's not leading the prayer meeting. He's involved and active at church, but his ministry is, is outside. And that's using our passions, our calling, our gifts to do whatever we can to make disciples. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this day we come before you and ask that you would, your spirit would move in our hearts and our midst, that we would, we would hear from you, that we would see 
these next steps in our lives. And that as we wholeheartedly pursue you, and we ask for your help for that too, but that you would lead us towards the ways that you're working around us. And we can have the part that you've called us to, that, that as you say that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you've planned in advance for us. Lord, use us. Give us hearts. Give us control of our own schedule enough to be able to release it to you and to honor you with our lives and love the neighbors that you've placed around us. Guide us in this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.